It's the story of a blind man who met Jesus on his way. And with the master's touch, the man looked up as the scoffers heard him say, Somebody touch me. And made him walk again And the master saw with pleasure He had labored not in vain Like the story of that crippled man I once was bound by sin But since the master came Oh, praise his name. Thank God I now can say. Somebody touch me. Somebody touch me. I was blind, but praise his name. I now can see. Tonight, we're going to hear from Brother Kavanaugh. I've asked that he'd come preach tonight, and uh, he um, reluctantly agreed. No, <laughs> he was quite happy to do so. And so I'm looking forward to what the Lord's laid on his heart, and I'm sure he's going to be a blessing to all of us tonight. Amen. Second Kings chapter 2 this evening. <clears throat> Second Kings chapter number 2. 
pretty familiar story here this evening, the story of Elijah and Elisha. And uh, we're going to jump down towards the end of the story. This is the chapter here where uh, the mantle is going to fall um, and Elisha will pick it up and uh, continue the ministry uh, that the Lord had given him. In 2 Kings chapter number 2 and verse number 9 this evening, 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse number 9, I, I was very anxious to preach tonight. I'm excited for it. And uh, honestly, this evening is... Uh, uh, one of these things, I always try to make a purpose to um, emphasize the theme in my own spiritual life as the year begins, and this kind of just ties right into what pastor's been preaching on, just, just some challenges that uh, the Lord has been placing in my life, and I think it'll be a challenge to us all. And I see it here in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse number 9, a man who would not settle, he wasn't going to settle. In verse number 9, it says, And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. That's a big request. Double portion? And Elijah even thought so. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. That's important. I think that's critical in our lives that we ask hard things of the Lord. Our expectations are often too low. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken away from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. You just stay faithful, Elisha. You stick with the things that I've taught you. And if you're around when I pass and you watch me go up, this will happen. It'll come to pass for you. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and, horse, and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. It flew right between them. And Elijah went up in a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. And he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. And he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also smitten the waters, they parted thither, hither and thither, and Elisha went over. It's an amazing thing that took place, is it not? That double portion that was received by Elisha. And as had been done by the Lord in so many cases, it was demonstrated right before his eyes by the parting of that Jordan River. It is an amazing thing that took place. There's a little phrase that caught my attention in the middle of this. Obviously, I had read all the verses beforehand when I got here. And the little phrase that kind of drew me back to the beginning of the story was found there right in verse number 11. Verse number 10, Elijah, 9 through 10, Elijah had made his request. In verse number 11, it says, And it came to pass as they still went on and talked as they still went on and talked. It indicates to me that there had been some other conversations that had taken place, because they were still talking. It indicates to me that they had come from a certain destination already. They had been at a place and were traveling, because it says they still went on, and as they still talked. So some important things had happened beforehand, and they were still doing it. And so that brought me back to the beginning of the story. And I had to reread it all. And so let's meander back to verse number one. 
And what we're going to find is that Elijah, don't go ahead and read him yet, just get there, all right? We're going to find that Elijah and Elisha had been on a journey. And it was a very important journey, I believe. It was a journey of destinations. It wasn't necessarily a journey of ministry. That's what caught my attention right away. They're going to go to multiple destinations, but nothing is ever said of what happens at those destinations. It's not as though Elijah, the prophet of God, had to go there to preach to somebody. It doesn't say that. It just says that God called him to this place, and he went. And time after time after time, God calls Elijah to a different place, and Elisha follows on. And so I need my Elijah and Elisha, come on up. I've got a couple guys that are going to help me this evening. And, uh, and so hopefully they'll keep your attention and stay awake, all right? This guy, he's going to represent in our story, um, he's from the school of the prophets, okay? Because they keep coming up at every place. A group of these guys come up to, to Elisha and, and talk to him at each place. So go ahead, school of the prophets, you can go sit down. And uh, I'll be Elijah this evening, and this will be Elisha. I didn't know he was so good looking. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> Shouldn't lie in the house of God, I'm sorry. Um, but uh, so <laughs> we have Elijah and Elisha. And, uh, and so they're on a journey. Um, we start our journey in a city called, where's it at? Verse number one. Brother Don, would you read that for me? Verse number one right there. Second Kings chapter two, verse one. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Okay, they're in Gilgal. This is the beginning of the journey. They're in a city called Gilgal. Now remember, they are talking. And they're journeying together. So imagine these two men, they're journeying. And, and, the, and the place where they start is in a city called Gilgal. And I can imagine as these two men are talking, and both being uh, men of God and of certainly knowing the history of their country, I'm sure Elijah along the way as he's trying to teach Elisha would have said to him, Elisha, do you know what happened to Gilgal with our people? Elisha would have had no clue. He, he would have stared at him like, what? You didn't tell me what I was supposed to say here? No. <laughs> no. Elisha probably knew. Elisha would have known that Gilgal was that place where the children of Israel finally found rest after 40 years of wandering. You see, it was at Gilgal, after the children of Israel had been wandering for 40 years. They had been brought out of Egypt already. They had been brought out of, of slavery, but they didn't have uh, complete trust in God. Right? They said, oh, that we were back at the melting pots. Or the, the flesh pots, the melting pots. <laughs> the melting pot's a good restaurant, by the way. But uh, the, the flesh pots. Oh, that we were back at the flesh pots of Egypt. And then all along the way, they complain. They complain about God's provision. They complain about his protection. Well, you brought us out here to die. And so God says about those people, I can't bring them into the promised land. They're never going to see the promised land. And so for 40 years, he sets them wandering around. Wandering and wandering and wandering around. So that that whole generation that was faithless and trustless in God died off. Elisha, do you remember when it finally came today? Where we stood at the banks of the Jordan River. And our 40 years of wandering was over. 
Remember, this is where their journey began and they're talking as they're going. I can imagine this all in my mind. And they're, they're, they're talking about this. Their journey begins in Gilgal. Do you remember that day, Elisha, where, man, how powerful God was. He told Joshua to go ahead and get that Ark of the Covenant and to walk into those Jordan waters. And those waters separated. Do you remember what God told them, Elisha? Do you remember what God told them? He told them, Joshua, I've rolled back the reproach of Egypt from upon you. What an amazing thing. The children of Israel, God rolled back. The, for all those years wandering in the, in the wilderness, that reproach still hanging on them. Hey, church, the, the city of Gilgal, the place of Gilgal, represents something in our lives. It represents salvation in our lives. This is not unique to me. I've not created these things. These are all things that I've learned uh, as I've lived my life and been taught by much wiser and smarter men. But Gilgal represents salvation. It represents that rolling back of the reproach of Egypt. Egypt is a picture of the world. It's a picture of lost and, and sinful world. It represents to us our salvation and how we move forward from that. It's an amazing thing. You see, their journey began at Gilgal. Elisha is about to, and you can hang on there for a second, Elisha is about to ask for something major from God. He's about to seek something big. Elijah's going to say, hey, Elisha, what do you want? I want a double portion. The spirit that you're filled with, Elijah, I want a double portion of that. I just don't want what you have. I want so much more. I want God to work in me and through me in such a spectacular way. And, and I've seen it in your life, and, and I want it, but I want more. Amen. Amen. But you know that that journey, it began at Gilgal. It began at Gilgal. And for you and me in our lives... If we're to get something great from God, if we're going to see the hard thing that we ask for answered of God, it must begin with salvation in our lives as well. And I'm not saying for Elisha this was his point of salvation. Uh, you know, we're, we're drawing a picture here and learning some truths. But in our lives, it, it starts at Gilgal. It starts with salvation. You know, I believe that there are so many sincere people in the, in the church today. Not in the world. So many sincere people in the church today who are wanting something great from God. They're wanting a double portion from God. They're, hey, hey, Lord, I want you to work in my life. I want you to work in my family. I want you to work in my church. They have sincere and good desires. But Gilgal has never happened in their lives. Salvation has never taken place. There's people that... They sit in church pews and they sit in seats and they, they want it and they want it and they want it. But the, the true conversion has never even begun. I think of so many young people especially that sit in the pews of our churches and they see the great things that have happened and they see the blessing of God upon older believers and they want it but they've never truly experienced salvation in their own lives. You know, if we're to 
get that double portion. It has to begin with salvation. It has to have taken place in your life. And before we begin this journey with Elijah and Elisha, at the very beginning, before the journey even starts, takes place, I want to challenge and I want to encourage us uh, this evening that church, people, folks, everyone that's here, family, if you're not saved, you have got to get saved. The things are not going to fall into place the way that you hope them to or want them to just because you desire something good. It all begins with salvation. It's the beginning of the journey. And if you are not 100% sure without a shadow of a doubt that you're on your way to heaven, get it settled. Don't sit in hope. Don't sit in wonder. Know for sure. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your experience. It doesn't matter the length that you've been a member of this church. If the Holy Spirit draws you, and I'm going to tell you, you're going to have to resist it. Because I know what it's like as an adult for that Holy Spirit to draw and just, okay, I have to surrender. And the Holy Spirit draws you and you know that you need to be saved and you can't explain it all. It doesn't matter. If he's drawing you and he tells you to get saved, then get saved because you can't have anything else. Talk about never settle. There's nothing to settle for (laughs) in the Christian life spiritually, if you've never been saved. And there's nothing to reach forward to if you've never been saved. It all begins there. And so Elijah and Elisha, they're beginning this journey, and the the journey begins right here. Come on, Elisha. I told you to stay. Now follow. All right? And so here they are, verse number one. They're in Gilgal. All right? And so here they go. And Elijah says unto Elisha, you ready? You're getting close here. You ready for your part? Do you know your lines? Okay, he's like, I hope so. I gave them to him three minutes before the service, so hopefully he's got them memorized. And Elijah said unto Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, Stage fright. (laughs) As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. So now they're on their journey. Here they go, walking over to Bethel. The Lord called them there. Who knows why? But here they are, on to Bethel. And they get to Bethel. And, uh, you know, they were talking along the way and everything. And they finally get to Bethel. And Elijah kind of gets ahead of Elisha. Knowest thou the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? Yeah, I know it. Hold you your peace. All right. So they get to Bethel, and Elisha gets approached by some random dude. And he told him, hey, do you know that your master is going to be taken away today? And he says, yeah, I know it. Hold your peace. You know, they're, they're on their way to Bethel. Elijah and Elisha have been journeying. Remember, they were talking as they journeyed. As they go along here, we started in Gilgal. It was salvation. But now they've, now they've arrived in Bethel. You know, Bethel was an amazing place. And just like Gilgal, no doubt these two men may have been talking as they were going along their way. I don't think, and I, and I could be wrong. Let me throw in a little speculation here. I don't think that this journey was for Elijah's sake. 
This was for Elisha. And as they were journeying along the way, Elijah's talking to Elisha and says, Elisha, you know, we're, we're in Bethel now. The Lord told us to come here. You know, Bethel's an amazing place in our history as a nation. Do you remember Bethel, Elisha? Elisha's a smart guy. He remembers. He remembers in Genesis chapter 28, verse number 10. Why don't you turn over there? Genesis chapter 28, verse number 10. It's where Jacob, who would soon be Israel, has an encounter with God. He was tired. He was on a long journey. And he set some rocks down for his pillows and, and he dreamed and behold a ladder. 28, Genesis 28 verse number 12. So he dreamed and behold a ladder set upon the earth. Do you remember this story, Elisha? Do you remember how that, that dream happened for Jacob? Do you remember how that ladder came down? Do you remember how Jacob met with the Lord? He wasn't, he wasn't really necessarily expecting it. It was unexpected. Elisha, do you remember? Do you remember how awesome that was for Jacob? Do you remember the story? How he told us afterwards that it, 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 was, it was incredible to him. Verse number 16, and Jacob awaked out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Do you remember Bethel? Do you remember how significant this was to Jacob? Do you remember how important it was? What was important? What is Bethel? It's the house of God. Hey, Elisha, you know, in your life, remember, they've been journeying and they've been talking. Hey, Elisha, I know we started out Gilgal, right? A picture of your salvation, but, but now we're at Bethel, and Bethel is an important place because it's the house of God. And it ought to be an amazing thing to you. Hey, in the passage, he says, hey, uh, Jacob says, it was dreadful to me. That is not fearful. It's not, it's not I was worried about it or it was a scary thing. It was, it was so amazing to me. It was a powerful experience to me. When I, got to, when I got to this place where God's presence came down and met with me like he hasn't met with me any other time, it was dreadful. It was powerful. Elijah, as you go through your life, hey, you know I'm going to die soon. I'm going to be gone. Well, I'm going to be gone. People will keep reminding you about it. I don't want you to forget Bethel. I don't want you to forget how important it is. Hey, he, I think he's teaching Elisha, and I think God is trying to teach Elisha some lessons as they go from destination to destination. It all starts with salvation, Elisha. It starts with your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But along the way, Elisha, don't forget Bethel. You will not be able to see God do the impossible if you don't stay in Bethel. If you don't value Bethel. If it's not crucial to you. If you can't live without it. The house of God. The house of God. He said it was a dreadful thing for me. It was an amazing thing to me. Oh, this, this is so convicting and is so true. Have we lost our amazement about the house of God? Is it a dreadful thing for us to think about the house of God? 
And what happens in this place? It's a unique thing that doesn't happen anywhere else. Oh, yes, absolutely. The Holy Spirit dwells with you. If you're a child of God, he dwells in me if I'm a child of God. And there's no debating that. But God has ordained and set up the house of God for an amazing part of your spiritual life. And if you will not participate in this, if you will not be a part of this, you'll never get to that double portion. But it's not just that you're here. The thing for Jacob when he was at Bethel was his amazement with him, amazement with it. Not the place, the presence. His amazement with the presence. See, Elijah, or Jacob was shocked that God was going to show up there. He didn't expect it. But yet God showed up and performed an amazing work in Jacob's heart. You know, God has set up the house of God to perform an amazing work in your heart that can't be performed anywhere else. He's ordained it. He's established it. He's instructed for us to be a part of it. He's established a hierarchy and a mode and a method to it. He's established the foolishness of preaching to confound us. But have we lost our amazement for it? You know, I'm, I think that there's probably a lot of people in this room who desire God to do something amazing. I desire God to do something amazing. I sit back and I think, oh God, how can I get the double portion? Lord, I want it. I want it so bad. Lord, I want revival in our nation. I I want revival in my heart. I I want you to do something. I find myself uh, in tears requesting this of the Lord. Him to do the miraculous in our country and in my heart, in my life. But how about Sunday morning? How about Wednesday night? Listen, I, I, I'm not telling you that you should be... <laughs> what I'm telling you is it's not about the choir. It's not about the preacher. It's not about the special music. It's not about your adult Sunday school class or your child Sunday school class. It's not about the nursery. It's not about the children's programs. It's not about anything else but that I'm going to get into the presence of the Lord. And I want it more than anything else. And when I show up at that auditorium tonight and I sit in that pew, I want God to work in me. Oh, we're so apathetic to it. And let me be clear, I'm right there with you. It can become so mundane. And No, I love my church just like you love it. I love it. You're not going to convince me otherwise. I know that I love it. And I know that I'm stirred. But is it dreadful to me? I'm, what I'm challenging is that level of, of passion for it. And not the, just the gathering together. The presence and the power of God working in my life. Oh, yeah, 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 I love it. I love it too, Brother Kavanaugh. I love it too. Do you love it like this? One thing have I desired of the Lord. 
Just one thing. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Psalms chapter 27 verse 4 makes a very pointed statement. If I could have any source of joy and entertainment in my life right now. If I could have one desire fulfilled in my life right now. If there was just one thing that I could point to in my life right now. Would it be that I get into the presence of the Lord all the days of my life? Nothing else is as important as this. Nothing else will take my time. Nothing else will consume me. I have got to get into the presence of the Lord. I don't think it's that important to us. The fact that church services are scheduled in rather than scheduled around indicates that it's not that important. The fact that we approach it with casual attire indicates we approach it with a casual heart. The fact that it's endured rather than participated in is an indicator of our boredom. The fact that the worship is weak indicates the joyful noise of our well is empty. The fact that we walk out unchanged indicates that we are inattentive. The fact that we may in some cases even opt into watching a live stream when we could very well come and attend indicates that his presence is not that important to us. Say, oh no, there's reasons for all of those things to happen. I know there's reasons for all of them to happen. And in some cases, there's some legitimate reasons. But if in your heart, and only you know it, you're opting out in laziness, or boredom, Whatever the case may be, as was indicated, it's lost its amazement. Elisha. Elisha, along your journey, you're not going to be able to succeed without Bethel. You're not going to be the man of God you need to be without Bethel. Remember the lessons, Elisha. You have got to have the house of God in your life. And not just showing up for it, Elisha. You've got to be a part of it. And it's got to be important to you because it's the presence of the Lord. It's what he wants to use to work in your life. How many services do we sit in and hear and listen to the preaching? And in 24 hours, in 24 hours, it's gone. I mean, I'm I'm constantly convicted about 
how quickly it goes. Why does it disappear so quickly? Well, I can tell you one thing. I remember when I was in college, this event that took place at church. I remember dozens and dozens of people getting saved on a Sunday night service. Just randomly. It just happened. You know what else I remember about it? I remember that it was so hot and heavy that they had to come back on Monday night and Tuesday night. Oh, this wasn't planned. Just let's get together again. The Lord wants to work. Let's let them. Tuesday night, Wednesday night, dozens of people saved, dozens of people baptized. The church revived and the church stirred. I can't remember a month ago the message on Sunday morning, but I can remember that. You know why I remember that? Because of the presence of the Lord. Because of the work that took place. It's significant in my mind. It's significant in my heart. The reason we don't recall things is because they're not significant in our hearts and our minds. Oh, I'm just busy and we hear so much and I just get it all mixed up. But did the Holy Spirit of God work in your heart and your life? What work did he do? Do you remember the work he did? You don't have to remember the message. Remember the work. How did he change me Sunday? What did he fix in me? What did he work on me? How did he encourage me? How did I walk out of this place edified or built up? Oh, this place of Bethel. It is so important. And we can, we can cry and preacher can preach all the principles and they've been pointed and powerful about us never settling. But if we'll settle for anything less than being in the house of God, we're, we've already settled. And if we settled for a powerless and pointless service where we can sit and attend and feel good about our attendance and walk out with nothing having changed, we've already settled. If we can walk out of an auditorium and the Holy Spirit of God not have fallen upon us and convicted us and worked in us or encouraged us, then we've already settled. We've got to understand how important this place is. Have you lost your amazement? Is it a dreadful thing? We have got to get back to this. We've got to get back to the, 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 the church house being a place where we come and we participate and we get into the presence of God. A.W. Tozer said, Contentment with earthly goods is the mark of a saint. I'm sorry, let me read this. He said, Contentment with earthly goods is the mark of a saint. Contentment with our spiritual state is a mark of inward blindness. Let me read it again. Contentment with earthly goods is the mark of a saint. Contentment with our spiritual state is a mark of inward blindness. We can walk in and out of church and God never show us anything. There's a spiritual blindness that's taken place. We have got to address it. We've got to revive that in our lives. Bethel. 
They're going to go on their journey again. Started with salvation. It went to Bethel. They're going to get to Jericho. You've been a great Elisha, but I'm going way too slow. And I'll never get through with you guys interfering with me. So you go sit down. They're going to get to this place called Jericho. In 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 4, And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. Remember, they've been talking as they've been on this journey. They've been fellowshipping one with another. And I can imagine Elijah once again recalls the story of Jericho, just as you can recall it in Joshua chapter 6. And he says to Elisha, Elisha, do you remember that? Do you remember Jericho? Man, what amazing things happened here in our history. Do you remember when God showed up to Joshua that day and said, Hey, Joshua, I know that the walls are all shut up and the gates are all shut up and, and you got to conquer this thing. But hey, here's what I want you to do. For six days, I want you to walk around the walls. I want you to walk around this. Hey, Elisha, do you remember how awesome that was? On the seventh day, he told Joshua, he said, Joshua, on that seventh day, I want you to walk around seven times. At the end of that seventh time, I want you to blow the trumpets. And I want you to cry with a loud voice. And you're going to watch those walls come tumbling down. What an amazing thing. Hey, Elisha, wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that awesome how God worked? How he performed such a miraculous when, when Joshua was staring at those gates that were all shut up and no one was getting in and no one was getting out. Do you remember, Elisha, how God worked? How he performed something that no one else could perform? How it looked impossible? Hey, Elisha, I want you to remember along this journey in your life, you've got to walk by faith in God. You've got to walk by faith in God. It's going to look impossible, Elisha. There's going to be things you don't understand. There's going to be things that come across your path that you, you can't comprehend. You won't know why they're happening. But remember this place, Elisha. Remember that God is always faithful. And so when he gives you cancer, Elisha, maybe you're going to get cancer. Remember that God is faithful then too. You just stay faithful to him. You walk by faith to him, with him. Hey, the walls may look all big and tall and strong. It may look impossible. The gates may be shut up and no one's coming in and going out. But hey, Elisha, God is faithful. Do you know what happened when they cried? Do you know what happened? Those walls, they came tumbling down. Those big, giant walls. You know, they say that those walls were, they weren't walls. They weren't walls. They were walls, like auditorium wall to auditorium wall. People lived in the walls. There was a city in the walls. People walked on top of the walls. I've heard people say it was 60 to 80 feet thick. And those walls came tumbling down. The impossible, the impenetrable. God said they're going to fall, just trust him. I know we've always got solutions for things. We've always got answers for things. But if we're going to get that double portion from God, if we're going to get from God the impossible things that we desire and that we can't live without, that we need spiritually, we are going to have to walk by faith. 
Our faith and trust is going to have to be completely in Him. Not in ourselves, not in our solutions. Just trust God. You know, we're always trying to figure out how to solve our problems. And and I feel like this is a constant problem in my life because I'm really dependent on my own talents. And because I'm so dependent on my own talents, I'm constantly finding solutions to things. You know, and they're not that bad of a solution. But it's just not God's solution. Or maybe it is God's solution, but I never consulted him about it, so I wouldn't know if it was or not. Certainly didn't ask him to bless it or to guide me along the way. I just jumped right into it. So many things happen in our lives. So many red flags go up. And we look at them and we say, oh, this is what I've got to do here. But we don't rely upon God. You're like me. You probably want revival in your heart and your life. You want to never settle. You want to move forward. And you're faced with opportunities to do that every day. You're faced with opportunities every single day of your life for God to be faithful to you. But we fall back on ourselves. He's got a solution. It may not be our perfect ideal situation. But I can just picture Elijah as they're going along this journey and he, he turns to Elisha and he says, Elisha, God has done some great things in my life. You've seen them happen. But it's not just been in my life, Elisha. It's been all through our history whenever people trusted him. You see it time and time and time again. Stop thinking that you're going to be the exception to things, Elisha. Stop thinking that getting outside of God's plan for your life is going to bring some kind of blessing. God's got a plan and he's got a purpose for your life. But if you won't be submitted to it and walk in it by faith, then he'll never be able to bless. We've always got these plans. We've got everything figured out. We know what we want to do. But God has got a perfect plan. He's got something he wants to accomplish. I keep talking about revival this evening. If that's truly my heart's desire, then there is sure ways to get it. So I got to stop trying in my flesh. My desire for it is not strong enough in my flesh. I can't just go about what I've seen other people do in motion and expect it to happen in my flesh. God has a plan for that. And you know what? I can have it. I was talking with someone the other day and we were talking about revival. Can it still happen? Well, as long as you believe the Bible, it can still happen. Why? Because God has set out the plan for it. It is clear and simple. It's just instructions that need to be followed. It will come if we will follow the plan. But you know what that takes? Walking by faith. Hey, the walls can still fall. 
The walls can still fall. It's our only hope as a nation that the walls will fall. But we've got to walk by faith. There can be no other solution. Listen, there can be no other solution except walking by faith. Complete and utter trust in God. Any other solution you have for spiritual success except your faith being completely in God and being obedient to His plan is going to produce fruitlessness. It's going to be fruitless. Those walls, they did fall. Elisha, don't forget it. Don't forget it. Trust his plan. You know, people are constantly clamoring about what the will of God is, especially young people. What's the will of God? It's not complicated. But walking in faith in it is what we complicate. Elisha walked by faith. Jericho. Do you remember this, Elisha? Such an amazing thing. In 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse number 6. And Elijah said unto him, they're done at Jericho. Tarry, I pray thee, here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. We've arrived at our final destination, the Jordan River. Jordan River often is, you know, we sing the song, I don't have to cross Jordan alone. It's not necessarily our death, physically. Although we often portray it like that. The Jordan River is a picture of our spiritual dying, though. It's a picture of our spiritual death. You know, this journey began at Gilgal. It was strengthened and built up along the way in Bethel. It was encouraged by Jericho. And now it's finalizing at the Jordan. You see, your salvation, you've got to have it. There's no foundation without it. And you will not grow to what you need to be without the church. And you will not become what you ought to be in Christ if you've lost your amazement for what happens at the church. But that alone in your life is not all you need. Because you know what can happen at church? You can fall into a tradition. You can fall into a motion. And you can get comfortable. And so God says, hey, don't be dependent upon yourself. Even in the house of God where my presence is, and even where I'll meet with you and do an amazing thing, you can't be relying upon yourself. You must walk by faith. And Jericho reminds us, you've got to walk by faith. You've got to walk by faith. Follow God's plan and walk by faith in it. But that's not enough yet. God says, hey, one more thing. Die to your flesh. Your salvation, nothing without it. Bethel, you've got to have the church. Jericho, you've got to have faith. But let me remind you, you've got to die to that flesh of yours. If you're going to get the double portion, Elisha, if you're going to get what you want from God, if God is going to work in your heart and in your life, if he's going to perform the amazing, the miraculous, die to that flesh of yours.
The Spirit is so willing, is it not? Oh, the Spirit is so willing. But the flesh is so weak. See, the Jordan River is a picture of dying to the flesh. And Elijah would have known this, just as I'm sure you do, because he would have recalled where Abraham and Lot stood up over the Jordan River. And Lot chose the well-watered plains of Sodom. They were well-watered because the Jordan River floods up every year and goes over and waters those plains. And Lot chose to gratify his flesh. Is that not what is pictured there? Lot saw what was good. He saw what was pleasant. He was still one of God's chosen people. Was he not? Yeah, was he? Yeah, he was. But what happened to Lot? He got his eyes off of what was important. And he saw something that he thought, man, this is going to be it. This is where my family's going to settle and we're going to be blessed and comfortable. And it's going to be easy peasy, lemon squeezy. We're going to enjoy it. It's going to be fun. No big deal. No, no uh, speed bumps along the way. We're going, to be, we're going to have all the money we need. And we're going to have a nice comfortable home. And we're going to have all the nice chariots and you know the two humped camels, not the single humped camel. We're going to have the two humped camels. And we're going to be cruising in style. And it's going to be good for us. Whereas Abraham on the other side said, I just want to go, God, where do you want me? God, what do you want from me? And here's Elijah meeting with Elisha. He brings him to the Jordan River, a picture of spiritual death. Not spiritual death, but dying spiritually. Taking up your cross and dying with Christ. Letting that flesh die. And letting the spirit have control. Yeah, I want the miraculous. Yeah, I want that double portion. Yeah, I want revival. You will never get it. Unless the flesh is dead. It's got to be crucified. Man, the flesh... It's got that hook in us. So hard to leave things behind. But we've got to cross over that Jordan River. We've got to die to our flesh. We have got to die to our flesh. We've got to cast aside the weights and the sins that does so easily set us. And we've got to press towards the mark. Oh, if we're never going to settle, I'm going to tell you, your flesh will cause you to settle every single time. If the Spirit is not in control in your life, the flesh will cause you to settle every single time. Why do believers get saved and then sit in a pew and never, ever, 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 ever anything happening in their lives? Why do we lose generation after generation of our children? Why do we not see revival? Oh God, I'm saved. I know I'm a child of God. Oh, I'm in the house of God and I do love it. It's so amazing. Those things may be true. You may even have looked in faith. Seeing God perform so many miraculous things. But there's an old hook in that flesh. Oh, that hook, it looks like a lot of different things. 
I don't know what it is. The Holy Spirit certainly does. But it's keeping that flesh heartbeat pounding in your life. And every beat of that fleshly heartbeat that's in control in your life means the Spirit is not. And if the Spirit is not in control, you've settled. I've settled. And I'll never get what God has for me. Elisha asked Elijah, Elijah, I want a double portion of what you've got. I, just, I don't want just what you had. I want double it. I want double it. Man, I'm looking at... What if we all just said, I want double? Think of the most spiritual person you know and what God has done in their lives. You got with someone? Maybe historically? I've been reading a bunch of biographies and reading about all these different people and watching little documentaries about them lately, these old-time men of faith. I've got one of them in my mind right now. What if I asked for double of that? If every single one of us would just get double of something like that. This nation, you wouldn't recognize it. You wouldn't. But then the flesh. And, and then what? And then what? We want it, but then we won't even get out of our beds to have devotions? I am grieved and encouraged. I'm, I'm, I'm knocked backwards, but I'm falling forwards. I, I'm like so conflicted in my heart and in my spirit for what my desires are and how I know they're so attainable. But what is holding me back? And that may sound like a confession of a really weak Christian. I, I don't know. Maybe you don't feel that way. But I know, one thing I do know, that there is so much more for me in my Christian life than what I have. I know that Gilgal has happened. I know what Bethel means. Oh, I've seen Jericho. I had a prayer answer today. It was just, it was amazing. But will I cross over Jordan today? And will I cross over it tomorrow? I'm going to need to if I'm going to get that double portion. So how do I get the hard thing? I think that those things are a good, good uh, effort. If we'll just follow those four things, Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho, and Jordan, I think that'll get you to the hard thing. Let's get to these spiritual destinations in our lives. All of us. Collectively, I know, I know I'm over. Collectively as a church, can I challenge you and just encourage you? Let's get to these destinations. Let's walk out of here with renewed determination to take these steps just as Elijah and Elisha did. Hey, and let's one day be able to stand with that mantle and see the Lord work. He will, he'll do it. 
have faith in him, he'll do it. He can do it in you and he can do it in me. I know he can do it. If I'll take these steps. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, we do thank you for this evening. And Lord, we thank you for your word and just how quick and powerful it is. Lord, thank you for the lessons we can learn in it. Lord, and as we think about these spiritual destinations, may your Holy Spirit just work in all of our hearts. I know all of us are at a different part in our journey. We're all at different places in this journey of life. Some of us are not yet to Gilgal. There may be some in this room this evening who don't know for sure that heaven is their home. They're not yet to Gilgal. May, Lord, you convict them. May your Holy Spirit draw them to you for salvation. And Lord, whether the next journey along our path is Bethel or Jericho or the Jordan River, Lord, I pray that you would help us to take that next step to that next destination, that next place you want us to grow to. If you'd go ahead and stand with me this evening as the piano begins to play. If the Lord spoke to your heart about something tonight, I really want to encourage you 